I'm Sean O'Neill, and this is Try Hard, a love letter to failure. You fuck with self-help at all? Self-help and encouragement to those who need it. Was that the, uh, cause Olympia had that sheriff, didn't they? Didn't their, their sheriff like openly, uh, he, yeah. he's the one that said, don't be sheep to his people yeah. about wearing masks. That might also have been Lewis County's sheriff, which is where I'm from. <laughs> All I, right. The I-5 corridor, people. I-5 corridor. All right. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good morning. Whenever you're listening, tryhards, this is try hard a love letter to failure and i am your host sean o'neill joining me this week is kevin hossum hello kevin is a comic around uh southwest washington makes the uh makes the trip over the river down to portland on occasion on occasion all right when i have to how would you define yourself for our people listening oh geez uh i'm a 43 year old dad husband i've been married for 19 years uh you know just uh a failure that's uh <laughs> so i'm sure you couldn't wait to get me on this podcast uh <laughs> and uh let's see i got into comedy two years ago uh before that i was just a fan and uh how would i describe myself well i work i don't know i work a regular nine to five job and I try to do comedy on the side, and I started a podcast of my own recently, and just trying to branch out and explore all facets of doing comedy, because it's something that brings me joy. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I like you, because uh, that's you seem to come at it from a very genuine place, just like a fan of the craft. Yep. Yeah. I mean, dude, I'm 43. I have a family. I'm not about to start touring the road to grow my following. Mm-hmm. I mean... I'm realistic about what my ceiling in the comedy industry is going to be. I was going to bring that up, but I didn't want to be rude or anything. It's just sort of it's sort of like uh, you entered the comedy game relatively late. Uh, yeah, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no shit. Like people some of the funniest people are 20 years younger than me doing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and we're we're doing this today in your studio because it's a uh it's a tradition in the tryhard brand to uh, be kind of on the road. I recorded more than one episode in somebody's backyard with my equipment, and now I'm borrowing your equipment and uh, recording in your pantry slash playroom. I was about to suggest that we could absolutely hit pause and take this out onto the deck because it is sunny and like 50 degrees, so... Mm. Yeah, you're like you're like I'm pasty. Sun I, does not sound good to me. Yeah, I mean I've been in the sun most of today. I only just got my uh, my uh, I only just got my heat turned on at my house. Like uh, one of the reasons we're recording at your place is because my I couldn't light the pilot light in my house. Oh crap! <laughs> yes, those are tricky. Yeah, you can you know you could make a big boom if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, and just an hour before I came over, I finally got the furnace lit. And uh, I've been hanging out in my uh, house, you know, in my overcoat, over my (laughs) bathrobe. I thought that was just your general look. (laughs) I came over to your house dressed like Orson Welles. (laughs) 
Again, I thought that was just your normal look. It is. Orson <laughs> is my fashion icon. I came over in the brimmed hat, scarf, long, double-breasted coat. Yeah, people think I drink a lot more than I actually do because I know how to nurse something for a long time, and I don't slur so very much when I... <laughs> I'm a... I'm, I'm a... I'm a surprisingly coherent drunk. Yes. Like, I could be fucking shit-faced, mm -hmm. and... Uh, you don't mind you don't mind swearing on your podcast not at all okay. go all right. right ahead i'm trailer trash uh and uh yeah i could get really shit-faced and feel like not only feel like i could drive okay but like i actually do drive okay <laughs> i am i'm one of the world's best drunk drivers no uh i don't do that anymore i've poisoned um, myself and never blacked out Oof. Yes. Wow. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I went to a funeral that I was not ready to go to. And uh, it was a sad, sad occasion, and I was just running away from my feelings. So I got deliberately shithoused and uh, passed out in somebody's garage. And <laughs> the owner of the house comes and gets me and says, you can't sleep here on a concrete floor. And I say, why not? He says, because it's my house. You can't sleep here. <laughs> so he offers to drive me home, and he drives me home with my head between my legs, and I'm still giving him directions on well, how to get... Well, at least it wasn't between his legs. <laughs> Could have went worse for you. He didn't ask for gas money, so... <laughs> yeah, with my head between my legs, you know, uh, with a bucket beneath me, and... I'm still giving him directions, and he said that I was the most lucid drunk person he had ever come across. And I found out later that he was a 20-year AA guy. Wow. That's high praise. Yeah, it was high <laughs> praise. I took it 20 years old. I was dumb. I took that as a badge of honor. <laughs> You're like, all right, I could do more of this. <laughs> I'm more powerful than you. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, I basically stopped drinking hard alcohol it used to be like a weekend tradition to get a fifth of rum mm -hmm. and friday night saturday night get loaded and um my wife used to drink back then too so she'd have a fifth of vodka mm -hmm. and then it turned into well i'd finish my fifth and then i'd finish her fifth on sunday and monday mm. you know and then <clears throat> Yeah, that just kind of turned into drinking every day, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah. Then you then it's just a habit, and you don't think anything of it. Yes, you know, because you know your liver doesn't show the signs until you're mm, about to get to be my age. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, fatty liver is something to look out for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I put that into my into my act the other night. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I just turn it back into a dick joke. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because I'm a two-year comic and uh, <laughs> dick jokes are still heavily represented in my repertoire. I'm too insecure for dick jokes. Well, my dick <laughs> jokes are about my dick not being that big. So there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> I've got plenty of testicle humor. I'm pretty sure I could fill that. <laughs> Hanging like a tea bag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one of my favorite comics, Greg Giraldo, rest in peace. Rest in peace. 
the late great um his bit about you know when i became middle-aged or, or he's like i know the exact moment i became middle-aged he's like i was sitting on the toilet and my balls dipped <laughs> <laughs> into the water and his paws and everything is so perfect that yes. it's like it oh i love that whole bit yeah, I was or no, he later says that's the exact moment I know I became middle-aged <laughs> when I was teabagging my own toilet water. <laughs> I mean, it's like, just brings it back, tells the same situation like three different ways and gets three huge laughs out of it. It's like, oh, uh, I miss Greg so much. Uh, me too. Uh, you know, he was maybe my inspiration for wanting to actually do stand-up. Oh, yeah? Well... Uh, yeah, because we moved down here in 2011, and I just started listening to a lot of stand-up on, like, Pandora or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was one of them. I was like, oh, dude, this guy's awesome. So I listened to all his stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, when's he coming to town? I'm like, oh, he died last year. Shit. Yes. <laughs> I remember oh, no. I, I was still in college when he passed, and uh, all of my theater friends were big comedy fans, and we sat in the green room because uh, we were allowed to hang out in the green room even when there wasn't a show going on. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to become a comic so that I could just be one of those faces in the green room just hanging out. <laughs> I love the hang. I really do. <laughs> and and people were just like openly mourning Greg Giraldo and telling all of his best uh, roast jokes. Oh, gosh. He was a master. Certainly. He was on all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, well, I love roast humor. You love roast humor. Absolutely. Um, I love it. I'm not good at it. I love it. Oh, one of my favorite pictures that I have is uh, at my Aluit, my my birthday one, where you guys, where you roasted me, and and you're just looking at me after you delivered the punchline, dead faced, and I'm like, my head is tilted back, and I'm just laughing at the ceiling, like <laughs> gut laughing. I love that picture so much. It like brings me joy. I've seen it. I love that picture too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And you know, speaking of failures, it's just funny that like that was an overall great night. And then Mm -hmm. it was like the last like 30%, like the last third, Mm -hmm. like the audience was just done with my shit. (laughs) Like they were so, because I told like two really bad, like their kid, kid fucking jokes. Oh. And, and like, yeah, something about Riley's sleeves being long sleeved so that he doesn't get kid shit on him or something like that. And like the audience <laughs> was just silent. And like that's all I could remember out of that whole mic, you know? Like it wasn't like, oh yeah, yeah, like eighty percent of it was great. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, like and really it was just me bringing the audience down. Mm-hmm. So it's just funny that uh that's the way I think like uh, if anything goes wrong in a set, mm-hmm. like any like like a joke really bombs, like I just dwell on that. There are times and I'm like, I... wait a minute. All my other jokes were great. It was one joke <laughs> out of like, you know, 20 jokes. <laughs> I've had moments when the nerves got to me and I could not remember a single joke that I've ever written except for all of the times that I have bombed and all of the things that got the audience to turn on me. Oh no, like oh no. One, one Just... particular time I was trying to tell a joke, not a racist joke, not a racial joke. Well, it was a little racial, but <laughs> the point was I was pointing out how 
some white people don't get it because you're several shades away from it affecting you. And I told it from a first person perspective, I'm three shades a person away from this affecting me. And then I heard from the audience, I don't like this guy. (laughs) That picked up on my personal recorder and I listened to it this week. That was two years ago. And (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's, that's gotta be a real, real ego boost. Yeah. That was in Olympia, Washington. Uh, So most of the audience was Evergreen state college students. And that is a very, very liberal college. If you're not familiar, I'm so familiar. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah, they were the ones that shut down their campus when uh, <laughs> Brett Weinstein was the professor there. Yeah, because he refused to participate in that like day without white people thing or whatever. Yeah, something were... along those lines. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Look into the story, people. I'm sure if you've ever listened to Joe Rogan, you've heard it. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've one of my best friends was uh, in his class, so uh, they were very upset when the whole thing went down because. According to them, Brett is a very good teacher, and she was so upset that this gained national news, and her favorite teacher was not available anymore. But he see, yeah, yeah, like if you've ever heard the guy speak, Mm -hmm. like, like he's like he doesn't have a hate filled bone in his body, Mm -hmm. like that doesn't even register. Yeah, you know, like he's and and his his stance that he took is a totally valid one because he's he's jewish yeah he's jewish he shouldn't have to have people telling him that he's not welcome based on the color of his skin his people went through that shit and it was a voluntary tradition for years and they and they just kind of changed it in the last year i don't want to get too deep into it because i haven't researched it people can people can research that yeah i think it was a new thing yes that year to say no we're gonna we're gonna demand that (laughs) There was some caveat that changed uh, on a tradition that they've been doing since the 60s. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I don't I don't know all the particulars either. We can edit this out if it makes you more comfortable. (laughs) Well, no, we both just admitted we don't really know what the hell we're talking about. Let's move it along. Yeah. 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 yeah, Brett Weinstein's become famous enough. People can research his backstory. Yes. (laughs) He's not Jordan Peterson. He's not that no, ridiculous. No, not at all. But uh, on this show, we like I have had mostly stand-up comedians on my show because I like fun stories of failure. So I like to ask anyone <laughs> if they have a fun bombing story that oh. you'd like to you'd like to share with us. Oh yes. Oh man, I got a great one. Uh, the very first bomb I ever had. Oh boy. My very first stand-up comedy joke. I was seven years old. Uh, I was at my... I was seven, maybe eight. I don't know. Uh, I was at my grand... My mother's dad's wake. For you young people, that's a memorial service after the funeral. Mm -hmm. So we were gathered at, I don't know, I think my aunt's house or something. Um, And everyone's sitting around the living room, you know, crying and being sad. And... You know, I'm bummed out as a little kid. I want, you know, I want to see people happy. So, um, so anyway, I, I walked back into the back room and I saw they had like a stack of newspapers and, and that was because it had his obituary in it. And so I got, I was like, I got it. I'll tell him, 
I'll tell him a joke because my grandpa had a great sense of humor, like mm-hmm. loved to make people laugh. And that was honestly, I would say my sense of humor is passed down from his side and my mom. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I see they got this stack of newspapers with the obituary and I was like, Oh, I got it. So I walked down the hall out of that back room into the living room. I was like, Hey everybody, at least we got our name in the paper. Oh, Oh my God. Uh, their reaction was dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a much, I, you know, I, I've condensed that story into a bit, but like it's a true story. And like right after I said that, I think my mom came and grabbed me by the elbow, you know, that's disrespectful to the dead, you know, this and that. It's like, mm-hmm. My grandpa was, you know, he was a great guy. Like he would have loved that. Mm hmm. He was probably laughing, like if yeah. there's really, uh, if he was watching, he would have been laughing. And that's the tradition of wakes, isn't it? Uh, you're supposed to go a little. Everyone drinks a bunch, gets a little silly. Check. Yeah, and... uh, this one I just remember being pretty somber. Yeah. But... Come on, we've all heard Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. an Irish song. Tim Finnegan okay, lived thought, on okay. Walking Street, yeah. a gentle Irishman. It's about an Irishman who falls from the fifth floor and. Everyone gathers for his wake, and uh, a fight breaks out in the middle of it that knocks his casket over, which wakes him up because he wasn't dead in the first place. They were all just ready to have a party. Okay, so when you met, we all have heard that you met everybody of Irish ancestry. Gotcha. Sorry, you uh, <laughs> you come off as one as Finnegan. Mem- Finnegan. I I think I played that in band at one point. Oh, okay. That that's why I was like, wait a minute, I've heard that somewhere before so yeah. that must have been where it was yes band nerd Woo, woo. <clears throat> yeah i was too insecure to go out for band that's a wow. level of insecurity <laughs> drama yes i okay, went that's out for the drama. next that's the next level below yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i am i am more an actor than i am a comic i fully admit this i got into comedy because i wanted to perform whenever i wanted to and not have to worry about being cast in a show so uh i had to learn to write based off of that which has been difficult yeah i found writing really comes and goes but it's all about discipline Mm -hmm. and that's you know regularity and that's something that I've struggled. I definitely could have could be doing a lot better in in mm-hmm. comedy. Obviously, there's not as much like impetus to do it right now to write right now because I'm like, dude, I got a whole bunch of material, mm-hmm. you know, that I I still need to go through and develop into bits that I've already kind of written and fleshed out, just never tried or, and then I have my good bits from my first year mm-hmm. that that I'm not doing, I haven't done for almost a year now Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that I, I need to be revisiting and it's all about needing to do more mics and being disciplined. I'm sorry. I got totally off on a tangent. No, that's completely okay. I'm listening. And in fact, I was going to follow up with what's your writing process like? Okay. I, I use that program called Scrivener or a program called Scrivener. Mm Mm-hmm. Scrivener. I've been um, meaning to look that up. Yeah, uh, yeah. Joe Rogan plugs it a lot. It's mm-hmm. the one he uses. So I looked it up. There's a 30 day free trial, and it's not 30 calendar days. It's 30 
uses of the program essentially so like you could use it i used it for like three or four months before i used all 30 of those days and then i'm like oh hell yeah i'm buying this Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i like it a lot uh so i use that and a lot of people don't like to listen to music but i do but the music i listen to uh has to be (laughs) very specific i listen to the butthole surfers ah or like ministry mm-hmm. like like really weird distorted all like noise mm-hmm. noisy rock and it's it's weird like it's the, the the lyrics aren't really defined you know you can't hear the words clearly so like that doesn't distract me okay and and it's not really music I would normally listen to. Oh, okay. Because it's in ministry. I have one of their albums. Uh, and Butthole Surfers, too. But uh, I was in a play with a uh, woman who went on the road with Butthole Surfers. Holy shit. She had some <laughs> fucked up stories. I bet. It was great. <laughs> um, oh, one of the coolest things is that Lollapalooza in Enumclaw. Oh. In 1992? Uh, Gibby Haynes, the front man for Butthole Surfers, like comes out on stage, drinks a whiskey bottle, and like tosses it up in the air and pulls out a shotgun <laughs> and fucking fires it like over the crowd, but like just barely over the crowd. And he had it loaded with blanks, but like didn't tell anybody he was going to do that. Oh my God. <laughs> Punk fucking rock. Oh, the ultimate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard stories about that tour, too. Like, that it was fucking just wild. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so I will listen to, like, Butthole Surfers or, like, Ministry or just, like, some really dissonant kind of music that just kind of takes up enough bandwidth to keep me focused. It's weird. Mm-hmm. And, and then I just... Uh, I have a bunch of notes that I keep in my phone just when I get a funny idea. I have a notepad program that has all that in it. And so then usually I'll take those ideas and then try to write a joke out of it, hopefully with taglines and stuff. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> me personally, I like to have my joke pretty much in finished form when I go on stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I'm willing to alter it and revisit it and, you know, keep improving a joke. But, like, a lot of people, like, go on stage with just a concept and they riff. And sometimes that works. And sometimes I've riffed and came up with good stuff or just riffed in the middle of a joke. But anyway, um, I was a disciple of that for a couple of years. (laughs) And I had good times and some real shitty times. Okay, there's two things I'd like uh, that I've observed about beginning comics. Yeah. And yes, I'm still a beginning comic-ish, mm-hmm. but I'm coming up on two years. But there's the people that have done a hell of a lot more stage time than I have. <laughs> sure. <laughs> hell of a lot more. Uh, anyhow, um, one is like people are like, yeah, I consider myself more of a storyteller and Okay, that's fine, but usually that means you don't know how to just write and get, like, condense your thought into a punchline, you know? Mm -hmm. That means you you take 45 seconds to a minute to get to a punchline instead of 15 to 20. 
Mm-hmm. Your rhythm's off. <clears throat> you don't understand rhythm as much as you should. Yeah, unless unless you're like okay, if anybody wants to be a storyteller comic, you better study people like Stanhope. Oh yes, because uh, <laughs> he tells a story, but one he's usually written it out, mm-hmm. and two he throws several funny. He uses several different funny tools mm-hmm. within his story. Anyway, that's okay. So Lavelle Crawford is very similar in that uh, he does tell a longer-ish story, but the punchline or the surprise is every 15 to 30 seconds. And uh-huh. there's something, there's a period at the end of all of it. There's a rhythm to the way that you should be speaking. Uh, I think the masterpiece of storytelling, a storytelling bit is Doug Stanhope's 60 Inches of AIDS. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't even repeat any of it. You got to listen to it. But like, like, I'll just say one of the analogies, just one of the analogies in there, winking like a cyclops in a rainstorm. I mean, that is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a great analogy. Anyhow, uh, so storytelling comics, like, okay, that's fine if you're going to tell a story, but you better be really good at it. It really draws the audience in, and there's a huge payoff with the Mm punchline. Like, if you're going to wait that long to get to a punchline, it really better be worth it. Mm-hmm. And then two people that say they riff on stage. Again, I think that just means I don't like to write a lot. Mm-hmm. So for most people that say that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you could riff, certainly. But you should like always like lead it to a punchline. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And if you riff, they should be tags on the original punchline, something like that, not just more descriptors of what we already kind of got in the first place. That uh, That's the kind of um, riffing that I do. Like you said, like, like I've told a joke and then like just off the top of my head came up with a tagline to it in the mm-hmm. moment. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, that worked. Huh. Let's keep this wave rolling. Yeah, that's why you always record your sets, people. <laughs> so anyway, um, I don't, what? we were talking about writing. My writing okay, style. Writing. Sorry. Yeah, my writing style. I used to, I had a series of really good sets having not written anything down, and I got compliments off of that, which was the worst thing that those well-meaning people could have done. Because that meant for two years afterwards, I didn't write anything down, but I recorded all of my sets and got really used to the sound of my own voice. Uh, Sean's very vulnerable to flattery, I think. I'm incredibly, <laughs> vo- I'm incredibly vulnerable to flattery and, uh, and criticism. So it, in that way, I'm very much an actor more than a stand-up. Most people are very... I'm in therapy for <laughs> just that reason. I... <laughs> My, my therapist, I'm getting off topic right here, but my therapist gave me a book, and uh, we also talk about self-help on this podcast, which is... Um, Good, I need some. I'm rereading The Courage to be Disliked, which is uh, Alderan uh, philosophy, uh, Alderan psychology mixed with Greek philosophy, and it is... Uh, Alderan, like, not Alderon. Not Alderon. <laughs> okay. uh, the, the psychologist was named Alder, and he was oh, a okay. contemporary of Freud. But they, okay. 
parted in a couple of key concepts in that Freud was very focused on trauma. A equals B equals C. Your mother did this, therefore you felt this, therefore now you have this neurosis. Um, Alder was of the of the concept that you wanted to do that from the beginning and you just searched for a reason. So he took trauma off the table. Ooh. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Which is controversial in its uh, approach, but it's, it's helped a very, me a lot. It's a very, uh, okay. It's very like accountability based. Yes. It sounds like it's like, no, 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 come on. No, you just, you just want to stay inside and watch Netflix. You don't have social anxiety. <laughs> kind just... of. Kind of. Because <laughs> this was written by a Japanese. Uh... That's, not, that's not my thoughts. That's yeah. just like I'm, I'm uh, role playing as Alder. <laughs> yeah. I forget what NEAT stands for, but there's a Japanese um, neurosis that is specifically for young people that just stay inside, play video games, watch TV, and just don't go anywhere. And... This was written particularly for the Neats in Japan. Hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, they talk about... So you hit the nail on the head with that without even meaning to. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, so I've completely... Neat. Uh, yes, neats. <laughs> neats. Um, yeah. The difference between Alder and Freud and uh, Alder and... Uh, you said Alderan mixed with something else. Uh, Greek philosophy. Was who? <laughs> uh, Greek philosophy, which is... Uh, no, 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 no. Who is mixed with Alderan and Greek philosophy? The courage to be disliked. Oh, okay, okay. The courage okay. to be disliked, which is... Back on track. Yeah. Uh, we get right down to it, which is the point of the book, which is no one is paying that close attention to you. Therefore, if you accept that some people are just not going to like you, that's okay. And it takes a lot of pressure off of you. So you're able to focus on your own tasks. And it's a difficult, somewhat abrasive way to look at the world. But it's meant with the idea of finding happiness in, in uh, participating in your own life and making your own tasks and just being happy. That's what I'm working on right now. And writing, uh, getting back to writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, writing. Oh, geez, yes, writing. Uh, I have ADD I, I, in case no one else uh, has noticed. but uh, I most likely do as well, mm -hmm. uh, probably undiagnosed. I mean, my 12-year-old my um, son is a really spitting image, like personality-wise of me, mm -hmm. and is diagnosed ADHD but like like low level you know okay so I should just let you shoot me with one of those nerf guns every time I say you know um <laughs> that's one of my big something I'm working on as as doing podcasts because when I listen to myself edit or when I edit and listen to myself I'm like well yeah you know so yeah, you know, I'm just like ah, you said it three times in five seconds, you freaking idiot. I just think back to Mills Lane when he was a judge on television. Do you remember when Mills was uh... Mills Lane? Yeah, I remember Harry Wapner on uh, Night Court. Oh, <laughs> or no, not Night Court. Uh, uh, People's Court. Oh, okay. The People's Court. 
Yeah, Mills Mills was a uh, judge like Judge Judy for a little while, and I just remember this one guy, this uh, cholo looking guy, saying, "You know every every other man." <laughs> you know. You know. You know. You know. And I just remember Mills erupting. You know. You know. You know. I don't know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and that plays in my head constantly. Oh my gosh, I got to see if I could find that clip somewhere. I I've got to. I've got. To. Oh man, I got to make myself a little note real quick. <laughs> you just write down you know and you'll know what it means. Oh man, Mills Lane, you know. Cuz man, I'm going to see if I can find that clip. I will use it on the podcast every time <laughs> I every time I get off on one of my you knows. It'll turn into uh your mom's house kind of clip. <laughs> You listen to your mom's house? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you seem like a. a, a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm into uh, twisted comedy of all types. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my writing process right now is I'm just doing general free writing without any sort of uh, uh, goal attached to it. But I draw a line along the side of the paper so that when I go back to re-edit an hour or so later, uh, I can underline things that were particularly funny or things that made me think of something later. And in those margins, that margin that I left for myself, I can write a joke or a tag or something to come back to in that sort of way. So uh, all of writing is in rewriting, as Hemingway said. Uh, very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Um, and I, I, like- I, I, I definitely go back and a lot of times when I say I'm going to sit and write, I just sit there and I edit jokes that I've already written. And I'm like, you know what? I think it, you know, I've done it this way. It didn't quite work there. I'm going to take that out and shorten this or change this to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I like to play study beats when I, uh, when I write jokes. Study beats. Yes. Yes. It's uh, free online for anyone who wants to. And it's just this uh, electronic low, lo-fi kind of beats and i might check that out that might yeah. it's not interruptive and uh it's really relaxing even if i was just cleaning my room or whatever it's just a low level relaxing kind of uh music and i listen to that when i write jokes when i write fantasy uh which is another one of my hobbies i'm working on a novel right now cool i listen to sea shanties <laughs> Because there's a rhythm in sea shanties, yes, and is. it puts you in. <laughs> Shave his ass with a rusty razor. Shave his ass with a rusty razor. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, gosh, I have not been writing very much at all. Uh, during the lockdown, I thought, this is when I'm going to finish that novel. This is when I'm going to do that. And I fell off of that in the first two weeks. I fell into a very deep depression where there was nothing to do and I didn't want to do anything. Uh, I, I'm i pretty sure anybody listening has gone through something like that in the last six months. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, we've all gone through our ruts where it's like, you know, I'm just, there's one. <laughs> You know, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Check. <laughs> On my podcast, I was going to have Josh keep track and I was going to, he's like, I'll give you 10. And after that, I'm going to, I was like, give me 10. And after that, you start shooting me. Okay. <laughs> it was a, it was a Nerf gun. Um, 
I just haven't been doing as much writing. Um, I definitely, well, <laughs> I couldn't do anything. I mean, I had a lot of health issues this last year. I had to have my tonsils removed and uh, I uh, tore my Achilles seven months ago. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, that was a big deal. <laughs> that really sucked. <laughs> um. Yeah, so now I got But you're upright, you're running again. I just came yeah. in as you were coming back from a run, which is impressive. Yep. I did three point three miles around the neighborhood. Congratulations. Yep. It's it's funny though, like afterwards it's sore and I'm and it's just always in the back of my mind, you know, oh did I did I stretch it too far? You know, did I you know, did I damage it? Did I push it too hard? That's always in the back of my mind right now. But mm-hmm. Because if you stretch it out and have to have it like redone, the odds of you tearing it again go up significantly. So. Oh, it's not one of those things that gets better after. <laughs> well, I I don't know. Like it's uh, they leave the the stitches or the wire that they use. Mm-hmm. It's like he described it as like super heavy duty, like a fishing lure, <laughs> like fishing line. Mm-hmm but it's like super strong. So I don't know what it's made of, like Kevlar or some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they reattach your Achilles, he described it as, you know, like two cloth mops. He's like taking two cloth mops and and like trying to sew them together. The, oh. the ends of two cloth mops because you're your tendons are all just collagen and collagen is actually a web of fibers of like protein fibers and those just shred that's what happens when your achilles tears it just and those so you got all these just strands of your tendon (laughs) looks like the end of a mop i was like yeah that sounds terrible I was like, that was nasty. I've seen the video of my grandfather's heart surgery, and that's made oh, me. Oh, little... I can't. I can't watch. I cannot watch surgery videos. I'm like, no thanks. Why did they give you that? They they just fucking give it to you after your surgeries. What? Oh, the video? Yeah, they gave it to him. I oh, I don't know geez. if he asked for it or if the surgeon was particularly proud of what he had done, but this was available. Wow. I'm not sure if I made up this memory or not because it's a very old one, but I remember watching it. Woof. No thanks. Yeah. No thanks. So, so yeah, I could... Uh, <laughs> I When I don't drink and I'm not hungover, mm-hmm. uh, I have all this energy to, like, go running and, like, do tasks and chores you know or to-do lists like i complete my fucking to-do lists when i'm not drinking you know because on the weekends on my days off it's so tempting to just be like okay you know that my friday i'll say Mm -hmm. i don't work monday through friday but my friday i'll say uh like oh yeah you know drink you know get drunk whatever wake up the next day feel like shit like ah, i don't feel like running Mm mm-hmm but I do feel like a Bloody Mary, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or a red beer, chalada. I love those. Uh, yeah, you're taking me back to uh, memories of helping my uh, my uncles work on a house. They always had their uh, their red eyes and chaladas, their red beers and chaladas re- ready. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, red beer, man. That's uh, that's <laughs> when we go out to the lake. <laughs> <laughs> 
my brother <clears throat> my brother over in eastern washington has a place out at the lake and when we go out there it's just a booze fest man it's mm-hmm. you know we get hammered and the, you know just it's just the whole point is just to get drunk <laughs> fishing is an excuse to get drunk on a lake yeah well they have yeah they and so sit out on the deck in the summertime and mm-hmm. just just hang out with the neighbor the other lake neighbors mm-hmm. and it's just fun as shit man like go swimming like you keep quoting the lake the uh, lake is it because <laughs> you lake. don't want to say what specific lake it is or it's because it's not a lake Oh, it's Badger Lake out in eastern Washington. It's fucking beautiful. Oh, okay. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bite. It's 15 miles southwest of Cheney, Washington. Oh, okay. So it's essentially it's 35 minutes away from downtown Spokane. Mm-hmm. So 35 minutes away, they got a lake place. That's nice. And it's a little, well, it's a little like 1967 like single wide mobile home. Mm-hmm. Things been falling apart for the last twenty years, like <laughs> it, as in, like it hasn't lost, it hasn't gotten any worse, but it's just stayed the same dilapidated little little thing. But uh, and uh, <clears throat> there, it's basically a mobile home park, dirt roads and shit. Um, and everybody that's on has a lakefront property has to build a deck. Mm-hmm. They have to have a, a deck it's required mm-hmm. which is cool and then uh, there's a dock there's stair like my brother's place is about 20 feet up on this like basalt like little ridge i mean it's eastern washington for those people that don't know it's all like basalt flood you know old lava flood so the, like the terrain there it's just, and then the 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 actual missoula floods came through at the end of the ice age and scoured everything out like all this topsoil and trees and shit just gone mm-hmm. <laughs> and so eastern washington was just bare rock for you know thousands of years until all the it all got blown in mm-hmm. anyhow i guess i felt the need to throw a geology lesson onto your podcast but that's I, completely all right <laughs> I told you I was ADHD too. Uh, Welcome to the ADHD uh, support <laughs> group comedy hour. Squirrel. <laughs> um. But anyway, anyway, like we would always we get shit faced. We wake up. We drink. We drink as much coffee as we can until we start getting the shakes, and then it's on to red beers, and that's probably at like ten a.m. or so. Ten ten thirty. It's starting to get warm out. You. You slam a couple of, you know, good two, three red beers, you know, Coors Light and, and uh, Clamato. Mm. Mm. Put a little bartender's choice in there, like a little Bloody Mary seasoning. That's nice. Yes. <laughs> it's almost the end of October. And uh, <sighs> I tell I'm, you, I've got a show on. My mouth's uh, watering. Yeah. I've got a show on the 31st, uh, Halloween night. So <laughs> At midnight. At midnight. <laughs> uh, it's going off the rails. Where's your show? Uh, up in Bremerton, Washington, I'm going to be riff tracking over Night of the Living Dead. Oh wow! Yes, riff tracking over it, like like Mr. MS. Yes, exactly. MST like MST3K. Yeah, MST3K. I had to get my but we can't say on. that because that's uh, their copyright. But we can do riffing, uh, which is the style of Have comedy you... that they've done. Yes, but they also wrote that out though too. <laughs> 
we write our jokes too. Okay, I was gonna say I was like I was like, come on, man! Like like not all of that was ad lib. Probably oh, very no, no, no. probably very little of it was ad libbed. No, 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 no. We have one guy who so shows you've up. Watched it a few times. Then, oh right? yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm writing all my jokes right now. Okay, I'm, perfect. Which is hard to do because Night of the Living Dead is actually a good movie, as opposed to most of the uh, <laughs> yeah, right that are that are shit. Most of the uh, public domain movies that I get to do are famously bad, like <laughs> The Head That Wouldn't Die. That was famously bad. Dude, I would love to do that sometime. That would be absolutely. That would be really fun. I'm a huge fan of of MST3K. Well, once I get. Uh, once this dies down, I'm going to start producing shows again, and I'll and uh, and uh, maybe we'll get a theater down here. Yeah, yeah, because movie theaters uh, love when you put on shows that they don't have to pay uh, royalties to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet. Yes. Yeah, that's the you know the next step for me. Um, I say as far as comedy goes is to really get into the financial side to get to learn the financials of mm-hmm. doing comedy the business of doing business yes well yeah because I I tried at one establishment here in town I tried to get something going with them and he just was like nah 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 but really and then I found the way other people were doing it in town you know, just doing door deals essentially, mm-hmm. and and that was working a lot better for them to do a showcase and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I dug my heels in for a uh, the show that you did at uh, the pizza place I used to uh, produce, <laughs> and they did not like us at all. But I dug my <laughs> heels in for almost a year trying to make it work. <laughs> you tried, man. I <laughs> really tried. Oh my gosh, that was. Uh... Oof. That was... <laughs> they did not like us there and uh they initially wanted stand up there until they realized that stand up say pretty much whatever pops yeah whatever into their they head. feel like whatever they feel like <laughs> and if you want clean comedy you have to pay for it mm. which they weren't willing to do yeah true i mean and, i was trying like... to think of how much clean comedy i even have and it's yeah. probably like that one set that I did. Yeah. <laughs> Which led to me being the asshole that had to go online and ask clean comics to come on for free and free or pizza or beer or whatever <laughs> they were offering that particular week because it changed. And you think clean comics would be nice. No, they will roast your ass for even asking. <laughs> They're professional comedians and they will be mean if you, uh hey hey that's that's to me one of the funnest things about like doing a show and and especially with like you and jeff and you know whoever that we know each other now so it's like like you better expect it if we're at a mic together that you know there's shots coming your way absolutely (laughs) that's so much fun though it's it's a uh i like to think of it as a form of a very backwards form of affection, just sort of like yep. a pat on the back and a kick in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's it's okay because we're friends. I, yeah. I don't mind that. That's I exactly don't mind, it. I don't mind that it's coming from my peers. <laughs> right, right. That's exactly it. It's like, hey, look, I'm doing this because 
you know, I know you can take a joke and, mm-hmm. and, and it is one of those things among friends too. It's a, it's a little, it's a test of wit, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little competition of wit, you know, it's like, Hey, you look, you know, you're so fat, you blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> and you're, you're like, all right, what you got for me? You know? So there is <laughs> at least that's how I was exposed to it because in, in my trailer park growing mm-hmm. up, like that's what it was like we had nothing to do except hang out with each other and like make fun of each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Oh, <laughs> there's another one. Anyhow. Yeah. So, uh, what, how, how much time have we done so far? 50, 50. Okay. We can go a little longer. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how, how long you do yours or usually about an hour i've done uh longer before but i don't go into joe rogan territory (laughs) our first one ended up being an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and then i've just kept every one since then at around an hour and a half Mm -hmm. we had one that went like when uh, there was four of us that one went an hour 49 Mm -hmm. but yeah i just want to keep it shorter because i have to edit it man and it's it's so much work and I, <laughs> especially and he, our podcast which is all about it's called the can't cancel comedy podcast cccp if you look for it mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and um that one is i mean it's all about hey you know what uh you can't cancel comedy like what you're offended by somebody else will laugh at absolutely and so the essence of comedy is to get laughs. However you get there, you know, that's up to you. And that's between you and the audience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's comedy that my, my idols, my comedy idols are Dave Attell, mm-hmm. um, Greg Giraldo, rest in peace, uh, Patrice O'Neill. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Chappelle, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk about guys who were... Chad, roast- Chad Daniels? I don't know Chad Daniels. Oh man, man, very very cool style. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of my favorite comics. Yeah, mine was uh, Patton Oswalt, Marie Bamford, D.L. Hughley, and uh, and uh, oh man, I'm blanking at the moment. Jonathan Winters would be a would be a uh, <laughs> uh, idol of mine. Oh, uh, later on. Like uh, listening to like Rodney Dangerfield, mm-hmm. um, you know, like man, you want like crowd work, just that 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 type of like that Jewish humor, like yes, n- New York Jewish, like quick off the cuff, hey, boom, 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 boom. Those guys who made their bones in the borscht belt. <laughs> I don't know my history that well. I guess, oh, that's so. okay. There were these. Um, uh, country clubs that only Jews belong to because Jews weren't allowed to join white people country clubs. <laughs> and comedians would go up there and uh, there was a particular style that developed among those country clubs and they called them the Borscht Belt because it was a lot of Eastern European Jews that were members. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And that's where Mel Brooks got his start and Dude. Henny Youngman and uh, uh, Sid Caesar. Even though, even though he's not well known for being a stand-up comedian, uh, Mel Brooks is probably one of my biggest 
comedy influences overall. Absolutely. I mean, Spaceballs, still one of my favorite movies, my favorite comedy movie ever. You were in the right age group for it to just be. Oh, dude, I was, uh, I think I was like 10 when that came out. Mm -hmm. That came out in like 87. Ah, yeah. It was like right on the heels of the second Star Wars movie. No, no wait, the third. Wait, the third. The third. Excuse me. Eighty-seven. Yeah. So I was born in eighty-eight. So, the... but that and uh, I mean, Blazing Saddles and oh, History of the World. I love History of the World yeah, Part One. Like, and honestly, one of the things that I love about Mel Brooks and just that type of humor is like anything's on the table. Mm-hmm. Like he uses race like all the time. Absolutely. Like uh, it's like stereotypes all the time. Oh. Robin Hood Men in Tights. I loved Robin Hood Men oh, in Tights dude, growing up. Loved it too. Like that one, I think I was like 13, 14, four or something like that. Perfect mm-hmm. age. Uh, <laughs> my, my sons love that movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but like the, when Chappelle's like, hold on, I got, he's, they're going to fight. And he's like, hold on, I got to get ready. And he's got a, a Reebok pump. <laughs> he pumps up his shoe. I mean, or just the rapping mm-hmm. and stuff. It's like, but it's funny. Like he uses racial stereotypes, but never in a demeaning way. That's like that's the point, and yeah. that's what a lot of people miss. There is a theory out there that you can tell a person if a person is doing it out of love, or you can tell their intent based on the way they're telling it, which is maybe not true because I've met some people that don't have a hateful bone in their body who have said some racist things <laughs> accidentally because they didn't think it through all the way. Oh, oh man, you want to talk failure? I got a, Yeah, and I got a story about that that's fairly recent, but if anything, you want to go into it, we've got time. No. Okay. <laughs> it's embarrassing. That's okay. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Well, it's an example of using racial humor the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went too far. And then I got in my head about it and tried to apologize for it two months later. Oh. And then they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? None of us were here. Yeah. They're like, everybody else that was there smoked so much weed, they had forgotten all about whatever I had said. So, like, I'm just sitting there living with this in my head for two months. And then I go on stage two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and try to recall it. And and try to make it funny at the same time, and it I I ate my own dick for five minutes, <laughs> and in the attempt to make my to explain myself as not racist, I made myself seem more racist, <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, I'm like, okay, all right, I'm sorry, I I guess I needed to get that off my chest, people. I'll I'll be back next week with jokes. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> And this is what we're getting back to with uh, the courage to be disliked. It's not your decision whether or not people respond to a joke in a particular way. You just tell it, and if it doesn't hit, you just kind of move on. You don't have to let it grow in the back of your mind and tear you up and make you feel like a bad person. Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, Just the fact that it was uh, that room, it's a black room, Mm -hmm. and... I respect the people that run it. And, oh, sure. You know, they 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 always they always mention that the, you know you could be edgy, but you know if you're gonna get up here and try to be edgy, you better whatever know how to fight or whatever he says. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hijinks <laughs> does always say that. He, yeah, he calls and then it he the. Says, uh, but there will be no fighting here tonight. Okay. 
he calls it the uh, Dan Weber rule. The Dan Weber rule because yeah. Weber tells edgy jokes, but he's also huge. So <laughs> he's he's like, uh, yeah, you you either be up uh, if you're gonna get up here and be edgy, you better. That he says one of two things: either one, you know how to fight, or two, you know how to take a punch. <laughs> <laughs> The listeners of this podcast know I at least know how to take a punch. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was a failure. And then it was funny. Afterwards, like, I kind of talked it out a little bit in the car with Josh on the on the way back here. And and I was like, ah, you know, okay. You know what? That I'm not going to let that sit with me because, like, that wasn't really my act. I tried to do this like from the heart thing and like be personable with the audience and they were having none of it. Right. And I'm like, okay, well that's not my act. That's not going to affect next week, Mm -hmm. you know, or the week after that. Like that's that, what I did there has is going to have no bearing on what I do going forward. So (laughs) I went back last week and didn't get up because there was a black memorial service in progress, but (laughs) supposed to be an open mic just didn't kind of end up being that way but it was it was a very interesting experience oh my god i know i tried to go into that a little bit at the open mic here yeah to try to make it funny and then i was like i, I let the tension build like yeah so i was at a black funeral and mm-hmm. then i'm like i kind of talk about it a little bit that i didn't have a punchline for it so i was like oh okay way to ratchet up the tension and just leave it hanging <laughs> Isn't that fun when you do that? You think you have a punchline going into it? Yeah, I'm like, uh, brain lock. <sighs> Forget it. <laughs> Moving on. But that's one cool thing about that community and just the whole community of comics is that uh, Brent, who is here, mm-hmm. like that, the the night that I was apologizing for two months ago, he was there and I, I told a bad joke. I was roasting hijinks, yes. and, and I, I made a reference to Welch's grape juice. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was a racial stereotype joke. Okay. Okay, black people like grape juice, I guess. You know, so says Biggie and lots of other comedians. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but it was in the, like, you've seen me at the beginning of my acts a lot. Of, like, I'll work the room a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I might pick somebody and roast them a little bit or engage the audience. I just got on this like roast like role Mm -hmm. and like I took on this like heel persona Mm -hmm. and like I just kind of carried it through the whole set Mm -hmm. and and then in hindsight I might try to adopt that as a little bit of a character like be the asshole comic. (laughs) If you can live with it then absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. If you can live with the lows of people <laughs> thinking this guy's a douchebag. Yeah, yeah. But but anyway, um Okay, so oh shit. What was I saying? Uh you hijinks and <laughs> grape juice and you were roasting oh, people and Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I I was just on a roll and I threw that one out there also and that was a joke that I was going to do when I went to Welch, his Welch's show that he had booked me on. Oh. And that, like, six days before it, I ruptured my Achilles. Oh. I'm like, yeah, man, I really don't think I can make it. <laughs> the timing was so off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I was going to ask him about that joke. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, man, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and it just, I just threw it out there in the moment, you know, because a bunch of people from Welch's were at the show. Mm-hmm. And anyway, and it, and it, uh, the whole crowd went, oh. <laughs> but it was like they saw what I was doing. Yes. But they also were acknowledging that, whoa. It's not a good look, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. But, but I did that, and then Brent, who was here at the mic the other night, yeah, he was sitting off to the right of the stage, and he's like, "Boo!" <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah the the twenty something white guy is the one that gets offended. I see how it is." And like I kind, you know, I kind of made a I again continuing yes. the heel. Yes, like I was like, okay, I guess I'm that guy now, but um. But anyway, I went outside and smoked. And he's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have booed you like that. And I was like, you know what? No, that's okay. That joke, that was a pretty shitty joke. <laughs> I was like, I honestly don't hold that against you. Like, like <laughs> if it had been any other joke, I probably would have a problem with that. But like that one, no, no, that one deserved it. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. And anyway, he was here, you know, he showed up and he's cool. And yeah, absolutely. I, I go to the East Side mic. That's like my regular Portland mic that I go to. It's fucking killer Mike. Mm-hmm. So great audience, man. I haven't been yet. Oh. I haven't tomorrow been night. To oh, okay. Tomorrow night at seven thirty. It's it's show up and sign up, which is I love that. Mm-hmm. Like online sign ups are great, but like Am- Amber's mic it's is filled up within like an hour. Sign her- up two days ahead of time just to Well no, she posts a Google doc mm-hmm. you know, like I would do for Lewitt and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she posts a Google doc and it's like people fill the list in like an hour. So yeah, I was lucky and got on that one. They probably have like, yeah. Huh. I was like, I wonder if they, since that's one of the most popular mics right now, people are doing like helium. Hey man, can you sign me up too? And they just have one dude just like <laughs> repeatedly signing people up. <laughs> Same crew gets up. Yeah. That's, um, it's funny how that happens, isn't it? <laughs> That was kind of at the Lewitt mic, man. The the uh, school, the after school or uh, after school comedy. Those crew like Eliza and and Nick and and uh, Maricha and those guys. I'm unfamiliar. Oh, their whole crew, but they they would come to the Lewitt mic almost every single month, like mm-hmm. all of them. <laughs> <laughs> the same crew. It's, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm bummed, man. I'm really. I'm really bummed that uh, basically Washington doesn't allow any kind of live entertainment in restaurants or bars. Not restaurants or bars, but apparently uh, there's still comedy shows going on. There's one in Kent, Washington this week uh, that two of my friends are on. And uh, I'm not going to plug it because they're not that good of friends. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have the details in front of me. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. you you might not even get this out in time anyway. Probably won't. I usually take a week to edit mine. And Primus is coming to Kent, Washington for some reason. So I don't know what the fuck's going on in Kent. But oh. Yeah. White River Amphitheater is on tribal land. Oh. If that's where they're having it, then that that's how they're doing it. Okay. The muckle- that makes sense. Yep. It's the muckle shoots. 
damn, you're right. So I bet casinos and shit can probably get away with doing comedy too. Anybody that's tribal, tribal run. Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> Did we just figure something out? <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm still a nobody in the, in the <laughs> comedy scene. I mean, I've run a few. I've put a few open mics and shows together, but. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah, that would be. That would be awesome, man. Go, let's go start a start a show at Alien. <laughs> <laughs> Portland, Portland comics driving forty five minutes to go to it. <laughs> Get your discount cigarettes while you're there. Hell yeah, good idea. Mm-hmm. Cheap gas. Mm-hmm. Just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and cut. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, stupid kids. Just kidding. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) My 12-year-old just walked in. He's like, oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm I'm really kind of bummed that comedy is on hold like everything else in this state, man. I was really really getting uh, amped up to start more doing more shows. I've taken the time off in in a kind of stride like I know I needed it and I knew I needed a break and I knew I needed to take some time to write and pretty much everyone is coming back at near well a discounted level we're not all coming back at the (laughs) same level some people have been doing this for years but yeah yeah everyone's going to come back a little rusty and it evens the playing field a little bit yeah uh and I don't know if, if you've talked about this before, but there was like a pretty big divide within the comedy community. Oh, yes. Well, okay. There was a few very vocal voice or loud voices that were against anybody doing any kind of shows or mics, you know, that it's irresponsible and then it's, you know, it's killing old people and, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I don't fault those people for having, for having that, that view you know i i totally understand people that say you know what like i you know i i I get what they're saying because technically any gathering at all is increasing your risk Mm -hmm. but so is me letting my kids stay the night at a friend's house or all the other things that we're still doing Mm -hmm. you know that i really resent when you hear in the news you know like well you know uh you know, they think that, you know, small neighborhood gatherings and backyard gatherings are spreading it now. And that's the primary driver. It's like, okay, all right, fine. Then we're just going to have to accept that. <laughs> Sorry. We need, we need social interaction, man. Like we can't, we can't, some people, mm-hmm. some people are fine with this. The neats. They're like, yeah, yeah man, cool, whatever. I'm Life has not changed for me. For the first two weeks, it didn't change my lifestyle at all because I still went to work and didn't, <laughs> didn't interact with anybody. <laughs> but then as it dragged on, it got to be more and more of a pain. And if we had gotten it in time, if we had taken that first lockdown very, very seriously, if everyone could have gotten on board with that, that would have been great. And we could have... Based on what the scientists are telling me, we could have done it, but we didn't. Then again, I also saw a, uh, I want to say it was a New York Times or, no, I think it was a Wall Street Journal Mm -hmm. article on that 
COVID was in was spreading amongst the states months before we even knew. Yep. Like months before like the World Health Organization sounded the alarm or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that likely it was probably November, December mm-hmm. that we had cases here in the states. And so and it showed like a cuz it did like a probability of 10 cases or more per day. 10 new cases or more per day that's how they were measuring it mm-hmm. and they you know they did this by uh looking i believe at metadata you know trends and saying okay if it was here if we're seeing this amount of spread now they can kind of say okay well it was probably like back here at this time or that time mm-hmm. <clears throat> so really before we knew anything like it was it was kind of already the you know it's like 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 a mold or whatever it had already sent out its tendrils everywhere mm-hmm. so i mean look i'm not defending the way the president handled it he handled it in generally like shit like just terrible mm-hmm. you know like telling us one thing you know just trying to blow smoke up our ass but is anybody fucking surprised did it is anybody really crying about well he was telling us that it was no big deal did anybody believe that shame on you yeah i'm sorry dude you did you didn't see you can't tell when he's lying his lips are moving as the old saying goes <laughs> like yeah if he's like yeah it's no big deal no big deal you know well you told us it's all your fault Nick, come on people no like anyway I'm not defending the president. I'm not a fan of his. I don't don't worry. We're we're not really a fan on this podcast. I've left a couple of... <laughs> when Michael Garcia came on, he went on kind of a mini rant, and I didn't stop him because <laughs> I don't care. I don't care either, man. I'm apathetic about it. I'm like, you know what? Whether it's Republican or Democrat that's elected, like how much that changes your day-to-day life is so fucking minuscule. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean you know local elections like those make a far bigger impact on your life i mean obviously you know you don't want some crazy senile guy like pushing their button and ending the world but Mm -hmm. you know he is in control of our nukes yeah that makes me incredibly uncomfortable i don't know i anyway (laughs) that's okay that's okay um god fucking tangents where was where were we at well where are we time-wise an hour and 12. Do you have any advice for uh, any of the tryhards out there that are trying to get better or uh, pursuing their dreams and running up against a brick wall? Lists are great. Lists are great. List To-do lists are great. And um, challenges, honestly, like as stupid as a sober October sounds. Like if you have, <laughs> I realize this creates codependency and whatever, but like... Uh, if you have somebody else that's willing to take on a challenge with you, like if there's something in your life and you're like, hey, yeah, me and my friend do this one thing. I don't know. Video games, say online video games. Mm-hmm. If that's identify the impediments in your life and write out a plan to fix them, like write it down. Um, Like, OK, I, I admit I've done this many times and not followed through, but it's every everything that i've read about self-help says yeah like writing things down really helps absolutely it makes it real yeah and that to-do list man like i say this this last month that 
I've been sober and I've been checking those to-do lists off and I get to Tuesday or, you know, to my Sunday <laughs> and I'm like, instead of having a whole bunch of things to do that I procrastinated, yeah, you know what I meant, on, <laughs> Ooh, procrastinated. on um, you know, to just make it to the end of the weekend and be like, oh, goddamn, I can just rest today. I could just, now I deserve that. 12 hours of freaking video games or whatever <laughs> now i deserve to uh ignore my kids for a whole day mm-hmm. no. um prioritizing prioritizing the things that are important to you in life the things that bring you real joy and going after those and i'm a huge video game addict and like uh they're hard to step away from, but uh, I don't know. It's okay. Now I'm rambling. You can edit all this. <laughs> That's okay. You're doing great. You're nailing it. Aww. You're nailing it. What Thanks, kind of self help are you looking into? Because you mentioned that being. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe these were just things I picked up out of articles or something like that that I clicked on. You know, mm-hmm. like. 10 ways to stop being a procrastinator or something like that. Ah, that uh, pop in the zeitgeist (laughs) kind of help. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I mean, there's, it's all good. uh, Well, not all, but a lot of those are good. Yeah. So that's important though. Like, cause I think when we don't achieve our goals, it, it, we feel shame. Mm -hmm. We feel shame in ourselves. And then that, can feed into a feedback loop of sadness and and lack of self-worth so it feels really good to not drink and i fucking went running today and i feel great and like i'll probably go get some shit done and that just being productive doing productive things really helps so yeah that's something i struggle with a lot like uh being productive feels great in the long run, but in the short ter- run, sitting on my ass feels really, really oh, great. Oh, yeah. It feels the greatest, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. With some sort of digital stimulation. I don't mean that. I'm not talking uh, masturbation. <laughs> oh, no. I've got my vibrator. And... <laughs> but uh, don't, no, I mean, everybody, man, everybody's just getting that digital drug. There's no escaping it right now, and... We're not going to come down too hard on it because how else are you consuming yeah, this podcast? Right, exactly on your on your phone. So, um, I would say uh, be around more people. That that I don't know. That helps. <laughs> I'm I'm now I'm talking my specific issues, but like as far as like sadness or isolation with quarantine, like isolating yourself, like it feeds into depression. It's like a feedback loop. Um, being around people. Uh, oh, a little advice. If you are going to be around people, just try to be conscious of not always talking about yourself and your problems. Mm-hmm. Um, because people don't like to be around other people like that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just, just enjoy their company, you know, and, uh, just something to watch out for. I've, definitely done that like oh my god i spent this whole hour just like complaining about how terrible my life is and this person looks like they want to stab themselves in their ear with a pencil (laughs) well if you're going to gather be safe and yes if 
And if you can, be polite. Listen to what the other person has to say. And uh, I don't believe in the power of positive thinking, but I do believe in the power of thinking positive, which is a nonsense thing to say. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it no, you're right. It, it's nonsense and true at the same time. Yeah. I don't <laughs> believe that you can manifest things by putting them out in the universe, true. but I do believe that you are more powerful by setting goals and um, motivating yourself. Yes. When you, when you can actually see and track the progress that you make, it, it, it really helps every single time. Like it feels good. Mm -hmm. so. Well, that was a great episode. I want to thank you very much for having me over to your house today, Kevin. Thanks for putting on the uh, mic the other night. And that was totally safe. And <laughs> it was outside. <laughs> Most people were masked and by a fire. It was great. I know. I just need to expand the fire pit so that, well, okay, may, hopefully it won't be like 38 degrees with a 10 mile an hour wind, but. Uh, yeah, I'll be wearing a heavier jacket next time that happens. <laughs> I, know, I told everyone it was going to be outside. Yep. Uh, but can't have a fire pit on my deck. So <laughs> anyhow, we get a propane pit. I'll throw in for that. I know, you know, uh, there there are options. There are definitely options. We could get one of those. Yeah, those like lamp heater mm -hmm. heater things. Or yeah, we could we could do something cool well i appreciate you having me over today and Sean, thank you very much i just appreciate you in general ah oh, thank you kevin kevin yep, hossum you're, you're a good guy ah yeah. <laughs> peace love and we're recording all right you catch the new borat movie recently no i did i have not i've heard it's the people i know that have seen it say it's terrible oh really yeah I loved it. I think that uh, the girl he introduced is going to be real. Is going to have a very interesting career. The one with Giuliani. Yeah, the one with Giuliani. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that definitely made the news. I heard all about that, but yeah, the thing made the news back in uh, my hometown of uh, Olympia, Washington. Well, not my one of my adopted hometowns, because he. I got a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> He appeared as a country singer there and got a bunch of people protesting uh, lockdown to sing a racist chant along with him. Oh, my gosh. Straight off the World of the Worlds podcast. Uh, wait, no, that was George Orwell. No, 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 no. That was Orson Welles. That was Orson Welles? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. He wrote the uh, – Orwell wrote the book. Orwell's but 1984, right? Now I'm confused. Okay, George okay. – yes, George, George Orwell, Orwell wrote 1984. Wrote 1984 and Animal, Animal Farm. Farm. Yes. Yeah, and H.G. Uh, Wells wrote War of the Worlds, and Orson Welles did the radio broadcast that had people confused. Well, now I'm pretty confused. <laughs> Greetings, listeners. There are saucers coming from the sky. Martians are attacking. Oh, and like me, Kevin, you're doing Sober October. How's that going so far? Oh... I, I see the uh, the foggy light at the end of the tunnel. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> there are a lot of jokes. We've roasted each other a couple of times. And one <laughs> of the main uh, jokes about you is that you're a, you're a heavy drinker. Or I'm a heavy drinker. That's, that is one of my failures, certainly. <laughs> that, that would probably rank 
Mm, maybe number one. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, I'm the Dean Martin of my friends group. Just 